Hello and welcome to the Miss Rolling Podcast. As usual, my name is Jacob Staten and as usual, I'm joined by JJ Armstrong. JJ, how are you? I'm doing okay. It's eight days into dry January. I think nothing has tested my patience quite like the Nottingham Forest v Blackpool game, which we're going to discuss, but that was also quite a dry game for January. How about you, Jacob? Very nice. Yeah, I'm very warm, mate. Thank you. Very well, as we'll get on to discuss, it was my eldest daughter's first Forest game on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I, I, apart from apart from the game, I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Good, good. Um, I think we're going to jump straight into the starting 11, aren't we? Which I, I think we, we had a bit of a debate, didn't we, pre-game around uh, playing youngsters, who's going to start, anyone who's not gone to the African Cup of Nations yet or, and all this kind of thing. And then the team sheet comes out and I think it blew us up, blew all our minds by going, it's probably the strongest team we could have played apart from, probably apart from Worrell. Although looking at the bench, I don't know who you would have played over him to say it was a stronger 11. Um, yeah, I was, I was very pleasantly surprised, I'll say, that it was a, an extremely strong 11 and clear, clear to me that Nuno's taking it seriously. Yeah, I think it's the strongest we could realistically go for given the AFCON um, players that yeah. we're missing. Yeah. I know you said before that you'd like to see some academy players and whilst I think it is a nice uh, thing to be able to give academy players, I think it was the right choice to go for a strong lineup ahead of the game given that we need to embed the manager's way of thinking, his tactics, but also prepare for the and get minutes into the people that would be replacements for the AFCON players. So I was content with the starting 11. I didn't really have any questions. I think it largely picked itself. Looking at the bench, obviously uh, no AFCON players in there. Worrell, like you say, seemed the weak link, but I don't know who else you could put in there. I thought possibly it would have been a, a good game for uh, Omar Bamadeli uh, oh, to get gone. some minutes in it. Uh, get some minutes in him because I would like to see him. I, I'm not too sure why we've got him if we're not going to play him in this game. But this very much looks like the replacements. And yeah, I thought that we certainly went strong. It shows he takes the cup game seriously. And I thought we'd had more than enough to put the Blackpool Demons to bed and get them dispatched nice and early. But it was not meant to be, was it? No, it wasn't. I mean, I, just going back to the, the team for, off the, from the from the start, I think... I, I think realistically I think it's got to be either full rotation or no rotation hasn't it you know uh, and to go with no rotation and to keep it as strong as possible is great you know full rotation giving everyone who's not playing a chance and youth team players as well so you know I respect it either way but I I, I did enjoy for once somebody actually saying we're going to try and win this if that makes sense Um, yeah yeah, maybe that message Maybe that message didn't translate too much to the actual players because certainly from the offset and from the start, in particular that first half, there looked to be no real belief or incisiveness to try and go and win it. It felt very flat, very passive. And don't get me wrong, I think Blackpool set up well to to sort of combat anything that we were trying to do, but it just felt like we were lacking any form of willingness to go at them. And it felt like, the classic forest thing of where we are at the minute of once we've got the possession, we don't really know what to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, I think there was probably a bit of complacency when you look at the, the team that started versus, versus the Blackpool team who were doing okay-ish in, in league one. Um, 
I think the start the start of the game. I th- you know, we had a lot of possession, which I think I think I think we we try to approach this the same way that we would a Premier League game, and that's not going to happen against Blackpool, is it? I think that's probably to our detriment. I think we had a lot of the ball, which we're not used to. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right here. Uh, what well, I thought I was, uh, with 71 percent possession in the end, um, and that that doesn't suit a Nuno team, in my opinion, especially not one that is is we're quite it's quite a combative team, isn't it? Really, um, but yeah, I think. Whilst whilst the start, whilst or the build up to the the first Blackpool goal was mediocre, I, I don't think it was bad. I don't I don't think I could say it was bad if that makes sense. I think you know there's definitely a sense of feeling feeling them out and starting to pull a few strings, and then something happened, didn't it, JJ? Yeah, I think uh, I think the first goal again, and I think this is going to be a tick box across every podcast from here till the end of time. It feels like, but again avoidable goals like mm. the header away from Montiel was wasn't fantastic. Uh, I think it was a good header from Jordan Gabriel. They were obviously fantastic. worried about obviously worried about the wrong Jordan. Um everyone's mm. concerned about Jordan Rhodes ahead of the game, including myself, that I completely overlooked the fact that Jordan Gabriel played for Blackpool, who's a player that, if you recall, back in the day we wanted to be our first choice right back because we saw a lot of promise in him. So um very like very respectful from him not to celebrate, but I think in terms of a goal, it was a very uh, well placed header, and he did well. And Vlakadimos, I can't tell you if he got close to it, if he got too far away from it, or if he did anything. It's hard to know with that keeper. His team's move. cursed. Didn't move. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a very very well taken header, and obviously we go one down. But you think, fear not. Let's maybe that will sort of spike us kick us into getting something going and generate a little bit of passion for the game. Mm. But I'm going to read it here. Two minutes and 47 seconds later, Jacob, something else happens. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to dive in with a pop quiz. When was the last time that Jordan Rhodes played us? I'll, I'll, I'm going to save it. Save it. We'll come back to it in a minute. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the Jordan, the Jordan Gabriel header, I, I think, Whilst it wasn't the best piece of defending from Montiel, I think it was more that it was a really good header. And I'm not, I, I don't really think I could put any blame at Vlack for not moving. It was a great header. Again, um, yeah, the second goal, I just, you know, we just don't know what's going on. And clearly neither did any of the back four. And that includes Murillo in that, who I think is the best thing since sliced bread. Um, Joe Worrell, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, I don't think he's the best defender in the world, but he's certainly better than he's showing at the minute. Uh, Montiel, I actually thought was having a pretty good game. We were sat uh, lower Peter Taylor, so we were right next to him for the first half, and I thought he was having a certainly attacking wise a pretty solid game. Uh, he was always open and always willing, a willing runner. Did a lot, a lot of hard work going forwards trying to open up the space, but. Uh, and it was a smart finish from the Blackpool player whose name escapes me right now. It was Morgan, uh, who was actually really good all afternoon, actually, their number eight. Um, but yeah, it was it just just a calamity, of a collection of calamitous errors, I think. Yeah, calamitous was the word I was going to go for. It's one of those where you can't really solely pinpoint the blame on anybody because a collective error from a few people, it looked... It looked daft. It looked like a daft goal to concede, and 
I only really realised today when watching the replays back what Vlack was doing and I thought, fair play, he couldn't really get to it in time. But when you look back at it, he seems to just throw himself on the floor away from the path of the ball completely. It was obviously a smart ball. Uh, the player left unmarked from Montiel. I think maybe Warrell could have done better to stop that cross going in. Vlack yeah. Demos just threw himself to the floor. I'm not sure he's made a save for Forrest yet. And I think uh, it's at the point where I don't think he could save a Word document, but it's just <laughs> it's just utterly bizarre. It was a bizarre goal to concede, a uh, collection of errors. And yeah, again, you know, I think you can file that under the, you could file that under the avoidable goals category, but it wouldn't be saved if Lacademos is the owner of the document. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things, isn't it? Because like the, the, as the ball comes across, he is diabolical at trying to get it. But then when the, the striker takes the shot, he actually recovered pretty well and almost got to the to the shot. Uh, it was a very smart finish off the post, I think, from the from from Morgan. Um Montiello almost got it as well, but tried to block it on the line. It, one of those things uh, I never felt out of the game though. Even at that point, I still think not necessarily that we were creating chances, but we were we were we were trying, if that makes sense. Um I'm going to let you talk about the, the, the our first goal because unfortunately I was at the concession stand buying two hot chocolates and a coffee. Great, great order given it's <laughs> January. Uh, January and a cold day. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, a very well-worked goal. I think it was Gibbs, White and Woods who linked up to provide the ball for Montiel who I thought, you said he, you thought he was having a good game, but I thought he was having a bit of a shocker. I think I'd messaged you in the chat just before he put that ball in, saying Montiel's having a stinker today. Um, and then he delivers a wonderful ball. And Dominguez, who seems to be able, he could head a one pence blindfolded in a dark room, seems to find space and can just head head the ball lovely. Um, it's his second headed goal after, I believe it was Brentford. Um, it was just a well-worked goal. And I think it was vital. I think we needed that goal when we scored it. Uh Good quality, good quality goal, and you know, gives gives us some hope that come out in the second half, and hopefully Nuno's had a bit of a word because I imagine he wouldn't be too happy with that first half display, and would certainly want a bit more urgency from the team. But I think yeah, good goal and well needed at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just just to your comment about Montiel, I think it's I think this is a really interesting point actually because I I very rarely sit Peter Taylor stand. It was only I only did it because it's my daughter's first game and I wanted her to be you know close to the tunnel, close to the managers, close to the pitch, just just to give her a bit of you know she's not really she doesn't really she wouldn't really care for atmosphere, but she'll care for kind of shiny bright things if that makes sense. And I got a completely different game compared to where we normally sit, which is normally quite high up, looking over the pitch to to, to see the game if that makes sense to see in. You know, I, I thought Montiel worked his socks off in the first half trying to trying to create space, but you're watching on TV and you won't see him off the ball making that movement, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Ryan Yates looked pretty lost on the ball, so obviously we had lots of possession. I think Mangala would have been perfect for this game. You know, a bit, bit more composed, a bit more technique on the ball. Um, yeah, again, right, Yates, he just... And this isn't... A, I don't think this is a detriment. It's not his game, is it? You know what I mean? Um, mm. I don't think I don't think Yates and Danilo were right for this game to play both of them. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was just it was interesting to see those things being a bit closer to the game. Yeah, well, I think uh, Danilo, I think you could file him under having a bit of a stinker as well. And I'm confused as to how 
I think this was a game that's perfect for Mangala to get minutes because I think up until uh, Nuno came in, I would possibly say that he might have been one of our players of the season. I think I he agree. really, really showed himself in a really positive light under Cooper. And he did play for Nuno, I believe, under Bournemouth, but I think that's a poor reflection of his ability given that we were down to 10 men unfairly. Uh, so hopefully that's not it for him making his mind up on Mangala. But I thought yep. this would be a great game for him to just sort of dictate play and uh, you know I, I don't think Yates and Danilo were quite as effective as we'd hoped they'd be um, I think but, Danilo, yeah. sorry, sorry. So I, th- I think Danilo missed out on there was nobody to hustle and bustle if that makes sense they weren't pressing they, they weren't attacking or pressing us so it, there was nobody for him to hustle about on yeah I think Danilo in general he's had a few bright moments I think Man United game he was mm. better but I don't think so far under Nuno he's been undroppable. So I think that's possibly one to look out for going forward that maybe it gives Mangala a bit of an opportunity to come back mm. uh, in the squad. But obviously it's, it's a makeshift uh, midfield at the minute. Sangare's not there. So it's interesting to see where he goes with it. Um, but yeah, I thought Danilo wasn't great. And yeah, I didn't think Montiel... Watching on TV, it didn't feel like Montiel was too good, but it, we'll talk about Tavares because he came on at half time. But I think it's a little bit similar to him where going forward, he, if you looked at it purely in that perspective, I think he looked like he was having a good game. But then defensively, I think possibly wasn't quite his day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, obviously, you mentioned Tavares came on for Toffolo at half time. Um, I don't, did they, did they say if that was tactical or anything like that on the, on the TV? No, they purely said it was an interesting one. Um, weren't too sure what to make of it. And they obviously dropped the the fact that the last time we played in the FA Cup at the City Ground, he got hooked off after about 30 minutes because he got absolutely bullied by, I believe, Jed Spence. Um, so, yeah, uh, he was shocking in that game. But I think uh, it's interesting. I don't think T- Toffler really did too much wrong, but then again, I don't think he did too much right. And I don't think any player really did too much right in that first half. Uh, I think a lot, something needed to change. And mm. unfortunately it, it fell to him. Tavares in general, if sort of, I'll just talk about his overall performance and skip past a few things, but I think it's two different sides. I think going forward, he looked promising and I think he allowed Hudson Odoi to get into the game a bit more and give him space. But defensively, it just felt non-existent. And obviously, I think he was quite lucky not to get more than one yellow card. Uh, he he did uh, kick a few people. So I think defensively, not there. Going forward, he allowed us a bit. He brought Hudson Odoi into the game. So it's sort of, which do you prefer? And I think for me, if you're weighing both those options up, I think that, would not I would not want him starting in a Premier League game. So, yeah, very bizarre player for me. Yeah. Uh, so just before halftime, there was that Chris Wood chance as well, wasn't there? Where literally the ground basically celebrated, thought it was in. So that was a tight one. But yeah, Tavares, was obviously he was the left back on the side. I was sat. So again, going forward, I think he was a real asset. Like you say, he really brought Hudson Adoy, overlapped him, underlapped him, helped him, assisted him which I think Toffolo was given a bit more of a defensive duty, wasn't he? Um, which is a shame because Toffolo can can get forwards really quite quite well. Um, but yeah, defensively, he's just... It's not that he's bad. It's almost just like he's not there. If that mm. makes sense. He didn't do anything where I think, oh, that wasn't good defending. It's just like, 
if there's a 50-50, you know he's not going to win it. If there's a, you know, if he if he's got to stretch to get the ball, he's not going to do it. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing where I think it's almost like a he's a failed left winger who's just playing left back because he means he can get games. If that makes sense, and that that's yeah. as, you know that's he's obviously much better at football than I am, but I just I, I, he wasn't inspiring to me as a, a defensively anyway. I think if I was to see him in a Forest shirt again, we're going to discuss later in the podcast. We're going to go mm. through the squad and discuss who we'd personally keep, sell, move on, cancel loans, whatever. But if he was to stay, I think he's more effective in a Forest shirt as a replacement for someone like Hudson Adoro Dominguez on the left. That's a bit of yeah, pace going yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's, uh, to me, doesn't really feel like a, a fullback that can defend. I think he feel, feels a bit more attacking. So, yeah, uh, interesting to see him because obviously he's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I know he came on in the Chelsea game, I believe, but I don't know if we've seen him since then. Maybe he's played... Did a few he? minutes here and there. I'm sure he no, did. That, I know that was his first appearance for a long while. Uh, I think that's a good shout, actually, playing him as a as a backup winger type thing. I mean, Gareth Bell, Gareth Bell was a failed left back, wasn't he? Yeah, he was certainly <laughs> uh, certainly got a bit more promise to him. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. <laughs> um, Just like then, to say that after a quick Google, Tavares did come on against Chelsea. Hey, you're welcome. Take the dubby. Um, and then obviously we got the I think we had a, a pretty strong start to the second half same way we ended the first half um, some really nice play and Morgan Gibbs-White smashes one absolutely hit through the ball and kind of hit across it to hit inside of his foot to the outside of his foot and really put some swaz on it into the top corner and nobody stood a chance did they against that goal and it was, it was I, I thought at that point it was going to be a rout I thought I thought we would we were really stepping the heat up, really turning up. Let's you know put put another two two or three past them and and, and you know put this game to bed. Yeah, it was a lovely lovely finish by Gibbs White. Definition of putting your laces through. I think mm. um, it felt I didn't actually register that the ball had gone in at first because he felt so casual about it, as if it's something he does all the time. Sort of pushes <laughs> player away and he's like, oh, no. it's an absolute banger. Um, I imagine. From where you were sat, it was a great view. Um, we could, pure, yeah, pure watched, it, watched it all the way in, yeah. Yeah, be- beautiful goal. And he's trying these things now. And under yeah. Cooper, he, he was, he, if you tried it, you didn't have much confidence that it was going to find the back of the net or he'd try and place it or curl it around. Guess similar to the Man United one, but yeah. it would just go straight to the keeper. So I feel like this is the start of a Gibbs White that's evolving, his confidence evolving, he's getting back more to the player that we know he can be. And if his confidence is flowing, I think we look better for it. And throughout the whole game, you knew that the only chance we would get at creating anything really would come from Gibbs White. He's got that sort of presence now in a forest shirt. So I think it's pleasing to see. I don't think he had, like, he had a good game. I don't think he had the best game. He didn't sort of grab the game by the scruff of the neck, as I say, as much as you'd hope. But I think he, I think he did. He put in a good performance. Uh, if anything was going to happen, it was going to come through him and obviously another brilliant finish. And if we can see a few more of them, we know he can do it. He's a fantastic creative player and certainly very effective in the role he's been given under Nuno. So really looking forward to what a confident flowing gives White looks like. Absolutely. Um, and then there was a, a an amazing save from the Blackpool keeper who I think is Daniel Grimshaw, I think. Yes, Daniel Grimshaw. Uh, amazing save from Ryan Yates. Um, it was 
you know, it was quite close to him, but yeah, I think it was, it was, it, I mean, as in like side to side, it was quite close to him as well. So it was a really good save. Um, I didn't realize at the time it was, it was Yates with the header as well, which would have been, which would have gone down a treat at home, as you can imagine. There was, yeah. there was, there was actually, I mentioned uh, the Woods chance in the first half. There was actually two, wasn't there? There was the one they put just wide of the post and there was that one he smashed over the top of the bar. It was because my, yeah. my next point was going to be about the one where Hudson Adoy fires it across the face of goal and he's sliding at the back post, and that could have easily been a Chris Wood hat trick, couldn't it? Yeah, I think like I think my opinions changed on Chris Wood quite a lot over the last few weeks, and typically, like for example, the Luton game, I'd look at him and go, "Only two goals, he should have had ten, and he's not good enough, and all this." But mm. I'm starting to appreciate the stuff he does off the ball a bit more now. Um, on another day with a little bit more luck, then I think he's he does get a hat trick here. Um, I think he took that that first chance you mentioned where he sort of blasted over the bar. I think he took that down really well. I think it's a mm. difficult chance. Um, so yeah, it's a, just a shame that you know not one of them goes in. It's a different story, particularly the one at the end. It saves us the effort of having to go for a replay. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is, and. I think uh, Hudson Odoi, you've just mentioned there, I think he had a really effective game in the second half. I think the first half he was largely quiet, but he was much more improved in yeah. the second half. And Well, he, he swapped wings, didn't he? So the first half he played right wing, second half he played mm-hmm. left wing. Um, what, I, what I like about him on the left is he sort of mixes it up a bit, like he cuts inside sometimes, he's you know, overlapping sometimes, like he, mm. he adds a bit of variation. Sometimes you run into the box, sometimes you pass it to the edge of the box. I think it was him that set up Gibbs White, so yeah. uh, might be wrong in that, but he—he's—I think he's an exciting player. I really like what Dominguez is doing. I really sort of like what Alanga's doing, even though he does have his frustrations. But I do like his intent, and I think Gibbs White also is a really bright spark of a player. So add them all into the mix with Gibbs White. We're fully confident, and I think there's a really exciting three behind whoever the striker is. When Tyra is back and it's not Chris Wood, I think that's going to be a really exciting uh, attacking lineup in the Premier League. I think we're going to have a really interesting few games if they're all sort of clicking and no one gets injured. So, yeah, I think Hudson Odoi I would look at as probably one of the main positives in the game, even though there wasn't too many. I'd say him, probably Gibbs White were two that I would look at to be positive. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um... I think you're right about Hudson Adoy. I think he was much better in the second half. Um, my observation was oddly, he's not as fast as I thought he was. Um, yeah. I, I don't know why, and this is probably just me. I had it in my head that he was like Grease Lightning, but he, he wasn't. Um, I'll say he was slow. Well, I think but... he looked. He looked. He looks pretty quick to me. I think. I think we're pretty uh, pretty lucky to have seen Brennan Johnson and Alanga absolutely bomb it. That we're yeah. used to them getting balls that most normal players wouldn't get. Because they're rapid, they're athletes, um, and I guess Hudson Doy is pretty much coming back from injuries. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe he doesn't want to push it as much, and don't think there was too many times where he was needed to make that run to look quick. So I think, yeah, I think I have seen him be pretty quick, but obviously we're 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 lucky to see Alanga just absolutely bomb it most games. <laughs> so maybe he just looked slow. Yeah, and I think Alanga as well. It's one of the ones that I think Alanga's a pretty frustrating player, but his numbers are unarguable. So it's you know it's almost a yeah. I don't I don't get how you're doing it, but 
I'm not going to argue with it. Um, I, yeah. I think I think this game missed Alanga. I really do. I think having him in changes the game completely. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think I agree with what you're saying. I I love what Dominguez is doing. He's he's really putting a doing a job for the team in that kind of weird winger position pressing. He's almost making it as if he's the the second striker, isn't it? Almost off the ball he's and get, but, but also playing right wing at the same time. Yeah. I really, I've really liked Dominguez since he's come in, and this is a position I wouldn't really have put him in, yeah, or listen. assumed he would play, and he's he suited it really well. It's an interesting yeah. tactical choice there. I, I sorry, go on, mate. Go on. I was going to say, and he gets in the box, and you know, he like I said, he looks like he can win a header in header one pence coin blindfolded in dark room. But equally, <laughs> there was that chance where he had a great opportunity, and it was like. 50p had won it was he was on the floor you <laughs> see it came off the top of his head he was on, he, yeah I thought but he's he there a, he's, he's willing to get in yeah. try and win the headers and obviously that Brentford one was a beautiful header um, yeah, yeah I don't think was, you'll see yeah. many of them but the fact that he's willing to get himself in those positions and also operate on the wing I think he's uh, he's had a really positive impact in that position so any two of Hudson, Adoya, Langer and Dominguez, I think we're on to a pretty good thing. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've seen it, but they've uh, Nigeria have just confirmed that Taiwo isn't going to the AFCON. Right. What? So uh, this is obviously probably should have done our research before this, but if Taiwo recovers, say starts the next game, the squad's announced he can't go out there. Is that nope. confirmed? So it works the same as the World Cup, I believe, where you, you, you take... They would have for the friendlies they've got now. They will have a squad of thirty, and that gets right. trimmed trimmed down to. It's usually twenty three, isn't it? But I know the the last the World Cup they had twenty five, but that'll get trimmed down to whatever it gets trimmed down to. And after that, right? Top, top, obviously, for him. I know people love to play for their country and represent their country. Gutted for him in that respect. It's obviously an important competition to him, but. Selfishly, from a Forest perspective, I'm quite relieved because the thing I was really concerned about is him pushing to get himself ready and fit for this competition, go back too early and injure himself in the first game and delay it even further. And we'll not see him again this season. That's what I was concerned about. And there's that video of him running on the grass, albeit in a straight line, but that did concern me a little bit. So gutted for him, obviously a very important competition, but, you know selfishly from a first perspective relieved if I'm being perfectly honest and this is with all respect to Taiwo if there's a doubt about him look at the strike look at the strikers that Nigeria have taken that's uh, Kalechi Anacho, Samuel Chukwezi Victor Osimane, uh Umar Sadiq Victor Boniface it's one of those ones where I think if he was fit he would have gone but the Nigerian manager's probably not too heartbroken if that makes sense yeah yeah I'm sure Tyra's gutted, but anyway. I just don't anyway. think he'd risk him, if that makes sense. Like He's got yeah. plenty of options. Fair, um, fair, fair. But yeah, I think you know it was a flat performance. Uh, having a brief play is extremely frustrating. I know it was for Nuno because they've now had to cancel their warm weather training. <laughs> Crimea River. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, think, uh, I think his comments after the game of we don't want replays, we shouldn't have replays, I think... Like, maybe I'm looking at, it, at this the wrong way, but I just think that comes across as entitled and arrogant for a Premier League club to be mm. saying that because, you know, back in the day, if we held a Premier League 
club to a draw and was able to get them back to our home, home ground, you know, extra revenue in terms of tickets, a home atmosphere. Maybe the home atmosphere helps you, you know, possibly turn them mm. over and cause a bit of an upset. I think it's really important to the lower teams. And it feels weird to say that because it, it, sometimes I struggle to remember Forest are a Premier League team. But I just think it, it, lower down the footballing pyramid, I think this is important. So I think it just, I think the Blackpool manager said, just get on with it. And I think he's he's right. Like if we don't want to replay, then let's win it. I I I agree. I think I think there was a time when it was it the first year after COVID when we didn't want any didn't want any, they wanted to limit the the exposure so there was no replays anyway straight to penalties or, or something like that or, or whatever it was. Yeah. I know in one of the Scandinavian countries, I want to say it's Sweden, there's a thing where the 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 team in the higher division can offer to pay for the home leg. So you you get more money because the team have bought the home leg. If that makes sense, that, I, 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 I think I, I think something can be done so that everybody's happy in this situation. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Le, 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 I'm not saying I want a replay. I yeah. think another game when we could have had a bit of a winter break and more time with Nuno for the squad. Mm. Obviously, wouldn't want that. I think that's frustrating and. Luckily, Brentford also have to have a replay, so it won't affect that game too much. They've got to go to Wolves, I think it was. Um, mm. But what I'm saying is, with the tradition of the cup, you don't want to replay, win the game. You can't just rip it up, I think. But I think could, I think there could probably be a compromise of no replays after the quarterfinal or something like that. That might actually already be a thing. Um, but I, I get Nuno's point, and I get the traditional point. I just, I think there is something that could be done in the middle to make everyone happy, if that makes sense. You know, if we, if we just said to, I think you already have to give a greater share of your gate to the away yeah. team in the FA Cup. It's 50%, I mean, you have to give 50%, don't you? I'm not sure if you have to, but I'm sure I've heard in the past that typically it's like a generous thing that people, clubs do. So yeah. maybe it is an official rule, but I thought it was not compulsory, mm. but sort of like a, a nice thing to do. So that's why it is important for the lower teams to sort of almost get a, a replay. But uh, we'll end, we'll sort of end Blackpool there. I think 30 minutes, it's amazing we've stretched that into 30 minutes, but there you go. But we'll end it with this positive stat, which is Forrest put an end to a 53 game losing streak in games in which they fell two goals down across all competitions. It was the first time since August 2018 when they drew 2-2 with Birmingham that they avoided defeat. Okay, cool. I mean, I, I think I said it earlier. I think even when we went 2-0 down, I, I'm not surprised we came back from 2-0 down. I'm just surprised we didn't go on and win 4-5-2. That was, the, yeah. that was, that was, yeah. when, we, when that second goal went in, I, I thought we were really building momentum and it would have been really nice for once to, to go on and, and, and stick a boot in, but. I think it fair, I think it was more fair play to Blackpool for for picking their game back up. Yeah, well, I think we had the chances to, you know, yeah, win it win it by that amount. We had more than enough chances to win it. Wood, so. Wood could have had a hat trick. Tavares has that has that one. Um, Yates, Yates's header. That's you know, that's another five goals, isn't it? You know, so yeah, yeah. But you can't like it ended two two and that's it. So replay it is frustrating as it is. Let's just hope it spurs them on to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're looking at it from a positive perspective, it's more minutes on the pitch in a competitive game. Maybe that's a good thing. But yeah. uh, obviously, 
would prefer, it feels unnecessary, would prefer it to have been avoided. But it's what it is. So there we go. That That's Blackpool. Absolutely. So we're going to do, uh, I think this is our first podcast since the January transfer window has been open, JJ. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll have to it. remember. It's all, life's coming out as fast these days, it is. isn't it? <laughs> it is. So this is our first podcast since the Man United game. Uh, so this is definitely our first podcast since um, the January transfer window has been opened. So we're going to run through the current Forest squad. Um, and just and just kind of assess it and, and give our opinion on whether we'd stick or twist, I think, JJ. Yeah, I'm going to put a graphic on screen. For those watching, for those listening, uh, what we'll do is we'll uh, read the names out and we'll go through them one by one just so you can understand who we're talking about. But at the minute, we're looking at goalkeepers, which Jacob's now going to reel off, who we've got available. So we've got Matt Turner, Odysseus Vlacodemos, Wayne Hennessy or Ethan Holvarth, who actually can't play, can he? Because he's not even registered. Ah, okay. Yes. <laughs> um, for me personally, I I twist on Turner, twist on Vlakadimos, twist on Hennessy, get a new goalkeeper in and have Horvath as backup. I'm I'm done with a lot of them if I'm being perfectly honest. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think this this goalkeeper lineup uh, is quite something. And if you look at these four and you think which one of these would you want as your number one, I was thinking about it earlier and. I actually came to the conclusion of even Horvath, but maybe that's purely because he's a bit more of an unknown quantity. And mm. I know he, I think he's unlucky that Luton didn't bring him into their into their, their squad full time in the Premier League. He sounded like he had a good good go with them last season. Yeah. Um, so I'm surprised that they didn't take him on. I imagine it's due to financials, but I'm sure he didn't want his career to be sort of sat there waiting for. Uh, a chance in a forest squad and being third or fourth choice keeper. So he he was good. He was good for us, wasn't he? When remember when Samba got dropped, didn't he? He only yeah. lost his place because he came back late from international duty or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a good point. We forget that Samba was dropped at one point, and everyone's you know sort of saying he's the answer, get him back. Oh. And I love I love oh. Bruce Samba. I would have him back in an instant. But I think that's purely nostalgia, and I don't think he's gonna you know. I don't think he's going to chuck away living in France, playing Champions League football, playing for the French national team to come back to Forest. You know, there's a reason he went and more power to him. He's done very well for it. But at one point he was dropped and Horvath was more than capable when he came in. I don't know if he's a starting keeper. Not at all. I think your suggestion of him being a number two probably checks out. Um, I think Hennessy, you know... I, th- I imagine he's just largely doing coaching stuff now. He's at a, at, at a fair age, so I don't imagine he's got any ambition to move on to another club or play for Forest. So maybe he's just one that we just don't really have in the squad, but is a bit of a coaching presence. The two main keepers, Turner and Vlakadimos, I think we're in a bit of a desperate situation. And personally, I think it's it, we need to get a new keeper in. I don't know if we're going to because of the financial fair play aspect and the fact we've just brought these two in the latest window. If we bring another keeper in and can't get rid of any of these two, because uh, obviously it's so short since they've come here, that's five keepers on the books. That's a pretty weird situation to be in. But Turner fills me with no confidence with his feet, but is a good shot stopper. And Vlakadimos, I'm pretty sure, is just cursed because I don't <laughs> think I've ever seen him do a save. Don't think I've seen him 
you know, I don't think I've seen him make a howler, but he just seems to constantly be picking a ball out the back of the net. Or I just don't know what it is. He just is a is a very bizarre keeper, and I can't pinpoint what it is about him. I guess there's an air more confidence in him than Turner, but you know, I just don't really feel that confident in either of them at the moment. And when Vakadimos first came in, I felt a bit more confident with him purely from his presence because I think Turner just looks a bit erratic at times. Yep. But now with hindsight a bit further in, I think I would say it's a no for me from either of them. So it's a difficult position for the club to be in. I don't really know who we can get. Like obviously there's talks of De Gea. Few people oh. have floated out. Yeah, oh, you're right there. I, 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 yeah, yeah. It's one of those things that goalkeeper is. I think it's still an underratedly important position, and somebody like David de Gea to come in for a team like ours, who David de Gea is known for his shot stopping. I don't want him to play with his feet. I want him to kick the ball long whenever he wants to, type of thing. I think David, someone like David de Gea, would be perfect for what we need to round the season off. Mm. Would you? So I've also seen people mention Ramsdale on a loan, possibly. Uh-huh. I think that'd be mental. Uh, I also don't really rate Ramsdale, which might be unpopular. I know I, a lot of people do, but similar frustrations to me as a keeper. I think he's a bit theatrical in his execution. Oh well, they all are, aren't they? That you know, you've got anyone who's ever played football knows you've got to be a little bit to play to play to be a goalkeeper. Here's a question for you, Jacob. Uh, Kaylor Navas or David David De Gea, would you take which one would you take if they were both presented to us as an option? Uh, David De Gea because he probably costs less because he's on a free. Interesting, fair, fair. Yep. But yeah, I think this this highlights a real pain point for us at the minute, and I think a change needs to be made one way or another. I, I think I think both both first both Turner and Vlakadimos were signed with the best intentions, you know. Turner is the American number one. He was number two at Arsenal. You know, Vlakadimos has played in the Champions League. He's his, he's an international goalkeeper. He played for Benfica. I think we were signed. They've signed them both with best intentions, but we've they've both had a run at it. And they've, for me personally, they've both proven to be a liability. Mm. They, they um, both feel like number twos to me that you could play in the odd game, if, maybe if, the cup. Yeah, if somebody said to me you had to pick one to play until the end of the season. I would personally pick Vakdimas because this. I know. It, I know it's a, a funny, hilarious thing to say that he doesn't ever save anything, but obviously that's just not true. Whereas he's got a pretty low yeah, save percentage. But but Turner makes literal goal errors. I, yeah. I, I I would rather I'd rather take my chances with Vakdimas than 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 a lot of chances with Turner. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> If I, was I, I agree. Please. I agree. Uh, it's the lesser of two evils, isn't it? Mm. But where do we go from here? It's going to be very interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What if we've got so, youth team keepers? We could. Yeah, I don't think we have. But Shelby, I think. I think he's yeah. Called. He's out. He's out on loan. I think. I, I might might be wrong. Let me have a quick lucky loo. Let us know in the comments for those watching uh, which keeper you would rather stick with as number one if we had to. If it has to be the current crop. Would it be Turner or Vlakademos? Mm. Personally, Vlakademos and Jacob also goes for a big flat. But we'll move on. We'll go to fullbacks. Oof. So, so Jacob's going to read out who we've got. For anyone listening, we've got uh, left back Nuno Tavares, right back Serge Aurier, uh, utility fullback Ola Aina, 
Uh, right back Gonzalo Montiel, left back Harry Toffolo, and utility fullback Neko Williams. Probably could have organised that a bit better in the graphics. I didn't realise you'd give them official titles. Oh, I just wanted to make it to a few people. Make it easier for everyone. But uh, I mean, straight off the bat, I liked what you did with the uh, Tavares pronunciation. You gave it a bit of a Portuguese. Shh, 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 shh. It's a hard J. Bruno, uh, Bruno Fernandes. <laughs> it's a hard J and a and a and a soft sh. Right. I thought that's what I sure. thought. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Take it away, I, Jacob. I think looking at it straight off the bat, I think you know. Uh, let, let's be let's be realistic and say we need four fullbacks. We need two for each two for each side. I think um, my first choices would probably be Montiel at right back and Ayana at left back. That's very touch and go personally I think Montiel's due to go back isn't he some point in January I think it's only a six month loan no I think we can end it early I think if he plays a certain amount of games it triggers a permanent deal um, I think the case of Montiel is really interesting because if you if we did this segment mere weeks ago we'd have told you that cancel the loan and let's not bother uh, he's on loan until the summer by the way I, I thought it was January but it, I'm just looking now it says summer for so yeah, a few weeks ago we'd have said, you know, get rid of him. He's not good enough. And I think he's shown, Blackpool aside, I think he had a bit of a poor game, but you saw something different and thought he had a good game. But I think uh, the previous two games before that, I think he showed why he is a World Cup winner. Um, mm. And I think he, he played really well. So he's shown enough for me in those appearances that I think it's worth keeping, not ending yep. that loan early. Ola Aina, I agree with you. I think he would be my other choice. I think whilst he has had a few games where he has been pretty poor, but serve a lot of the team, uh, when he's on it, I think he's been a really quality signing, particularly given the fact he was free. So he's a useful player. Like you say, can play either side. Utility, you call him. Um, really good. And I think backups in terms of, you know, whilst Aina is away, Toffolo is going to get given a go. And I think he deserves it. And I think he's also shown really positive attributes lately. Nico Williams has been brilliant when he's come in this season. So if he takes over Montiel for a few games, I think, you know, there's a strong four. Um, And that would be my four as well. Yeah, I think Tavares, that was his chance to really grab it. I think if there's any chance of cutting that loan early, I think I'll just do it. Get him gone. I can't really see him being that useful to the team. Um, And Serge Aurier, you know, I thought he... I'd really like Serge Ari since he's come in as a Forest player. Beforehand, we obviously said that we didn't want him. Proved us completely wrong. Um, but I wonder if, you know, given his age and the fact we've got a good four ahead of him, possibly, you know, for an offer, uh, you know, there's been whispers of Saudi coming in for him. One of those where it's possibly, you know, take the money and put it in the FFP fund. He's a... Uh, it- He's not been bad this season. He's just been a bit indifferent, hasn't he? I, I think you're right. He's, he, I think he won more than just us over last season um, yeah. with his performances. Um, but this season he's just been a bit indifferent. And, you know, I think it's harsh. But if we're saying, you know, if we are saying we, you're only keeping four, I know there's the Cup of Nations and all that kind of thing. But I think it's definitely Aina, Montiel, Toffolo and Williams for me is the four. Yeah. If I, if I had to pick four, it would be them. But, you know, I think Aurier is more than good enough for a backup if what injury happens or whatever and he has to come in. So yeah. um, I'm not saying just get rid of him for the sake of it. I'm saying if an offer comes in, it might be wise to listen to it. Um, yeah. But we'll see. Let us what know we'll your four. 
Let us know your yes. four. Don't have to be four either. You can have all of them. Yeah, if you, you need, yeah, if you need more, you can have more. So uh, we'll go to centre backs now. <laughs> Jesus, right? Okay, There's a lot of them. <laughs> We've got uh, Felipe Musa Nyakate, Andrew Omobamideli, Murillo, Scott McKenna, Willie Bolly, and Joe Worrell. Um, Where do we start here? So let's I'll go s- left to right. Let's go one by one. Okay, um, Felipe. I love him to bits, but I just don't. I think he's. I think he's done with his knees. So I think I. I'm a. I'm a twist. Uh, Nikarte stick. I think that we've got a real quality centre back in there. Um, Bamideli, I, I'll. I'll. I'll stick. I'm. I'm still surprised he hasn't played at all. I. I, I don't get it. Uh, Murillo stick 100. percent I think there's a there's a world class centre back hiding in there. Uh, Scott McKenna twist. Um, I'm really surprised by how not good he's been since the move to Premier League I thought he'd step up with no issues uh, and if there are contractual d- disputes um, he's also injured all the time so you know there's that Willie Bolly I think is a decent backup um, I, I think he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's strong aerially knows the league uh, he's a great centre he's a great partner for younger centre-backs as well so I'd stick Joe Worrell um for me personally, it'd be a, a, a twist. Um, I, I don't think he's been his best self this season. It's almost one of those situations where I kind of want him to go to, to rediscover his form and, and to get to get back on it. Um, but that being said, if he did stay, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, for me, Felipe, unfortunately, just he's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful man. Just look at him, look yeah. at him. He's gorgeous. Um, but I think, unfortunately. It's it's game over, and it's it's unfortunate because last season, you know, I think he was one of the best defenders I've seen play for Forest last yeah. season. He was quality, uh, so it's a shame that unfortunately age is catching up with him, and his knees are playing up, and that's it. So it's a shame. Um, it's a bit of a waste of a squad number if he can't get fit enough to play a game. But you know, we did that with Steve Cook last year, and needed him almost instantly after the register went. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would love him to get back playing for us because I think he is quality but I think unfortunately possibly time's ticking on Diacarte I think could be a future Forest captain I think he's brilliant he's a threat not only sort of you know quality defence but he's a threat from his throw-ins I think that's a really interesting dynamic to our game and causes chaos so I really like him and the relationship that him and Murillo were forming I think that's our you know best two centre-back mm. partnership I'm a Bamadeli I thought Blackpool game was a great chance to give him some minutes. Surprised he hasn't. Uh, I think he's supposed to be a bit in a similar vein to Murillo in that he's a bit dynamic and likes to drive forward. Um, we paid a fair fee for him. Like, I'm sure it was upwards of 11 million, 12 million. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's um, as much as everybody thought it was, but it, it was I still, think that's still a fair whack for a player that's not playing. Um, I don't know how many loan players we've got out given the whole John Joe Shelby situation, but is it possibly a chance for him to, to go out on loan? But, um, you know, I think he... I've seen him play before and there is definitely quality in there and definitely a lot mm. of potential. So an interesting one, that. Murillo, no point even debating it. He is a future star. I think more, it's how long do we get to keep him for? The longer, the better. Can't <laughs> see it being that long, given how he's played. McKenna, unfortunately, I think his time is done. Uh, it doesn't look to be too near the squad. There's obviously the contract dispute that was reported in the media. So I think his time is done. 
and I think it makes all the sense. I, I am sad that it didn't work out because I thought he'd make the step up the most naturally from the Championship squad. I thought he was sort of ready to be a Premier League level defender, but it's just not meant to be. So unfortunate, but cheers for everything you've done in the Championship and particularly one player of the season. So, you know, let's not forget or uh, do him any disservice when he does go because he has been a really important defender for us and an important player in that promotion. Yep. Um, Willie Bolly, obviously, I think stick for now. He knows the manager, he knows the league, like you say. I think he's been more than capable whilst he's played this season, even though he is of a fair age. I think it's one of those where you sort of look long-term and think possibly one to replace in the summer, but he's not done anything wrong for me to uh, want him not to play for us. And then the big one, Joe Worrell. It's a really tough one. Obviously, he seems to be the first choice cover for the AFCON players that have gone. Um, so I don't know if we're almost forced to stick with him. Maybe it's one for the summer to go and maybe judge it then. Mm. I'd love him to find his form again. We've seen him do it against Chelsea. He was fantastic. We know he can do it. But just don't know what's happening with him at the minute. He looks devoid of confidence. Um. I think, obviously, the fans, there's been a bit of a turning point with the whole reported falling out with Cooper and not going to back the squad on a match day and as a club captain. I think that's a line crossed for a lot of Forest fans out there that possibly don't want to see him play for Forest again. And a few names have been thrown out there for uh, Joe Worrell. So maybe it's best for him to cut ties with the club and just rediscover his form somewhere yeah. else. Because if, as a club captain, if the fan base is starting to turn on you, then... Maybe it's not, you know, not the, <laughs> the best place to be. Yeah. Which is just unfortunate. I think if if you got someone else in that was good quality, I think personally it would be possibly wise to cash in on him in January. But if we don't, then I think we're stuck given the AFCON situation and I think we have to keep him. So that'll be an interesting one to see how that develops. Yeah. Let us know in the comments. I think it's quite a contentious point. Would you keep Joe Worrell or not? Uh, and on that, what we're going to do is take a quick break to show you this graphic. Um, you can win with our sponsor, Football Prizes, a 23-24 Nottingham Forest squad-signed home shirt with a chance to win a signed Coyote shirt as one of the instant prizes. So head to footballprizes.co.uk. The link will be in the description for those watching. For those listening, that's footballprizes.co.uk. Uh, they're sponsoring this podcast, so... Uh, some great prizes on there, so keep an eye out. We'll always post it on our socials, but yeah, some good forest stuff. Next, Jacob, we've got midfielders. And oh. There's a bloody lot of them as well. Is this, we're looking centrally, aren't we, rather than f- including wingers type thing? Yes, yes. Okay, so we've got Morgan Gibbs-White, Ryan Yates, Danilo, Ibrahim Sangare, Nicholas Dominguez, Orel Mangala, Cheku Kwate, and Bren- Brandon Aguilera. Um, I think this will be a really quick one. If I'm being honest, I think the only one I twist on is Cheku Kwate. And even then, I'm kind of happy for him to see out the end of his contract at the end of the season because I think he's pretty handy. Agree. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're clearly quite strong in this position. I certainly mm. wouldn't target or identify centre mid as someone, something that we need. Certainly, nope. I think we've got more than capable players here. I think we're lucky to have the players we've got. I think we've got a really good lineup here. Um, they're all handy. They've all got a part to play in this season. Koyate, when he was announced for the sort of first Cooper game after the Fulham game where he just, you know, played his players that he knew would fight for him. Yep. I was a bit like, oh, I think his time's done now. But um, he won me over in his yeah, yeah. 
performance then and his subsequent performances since. So I think he's done enough to warrant staying. If an offer comes in and it's good money given his contract, I believe is ending, then I think we can shake his hand and say goodbye. But I think he's been a good signing. I think he's put in a really good shift and tried for the club, which is all you can really ask for. Um, Brandon Aguilera, I'm almost a bit surprised that he didn't get a bit of a go against Blackpool. I guess I, given the circ- maybe the plan was, but I guess given the circumstances, I think being as it was so tight, I think that's probably what happened, isn't it? He looks really handy, and I think there's a reason he's been kept close to the squad. I think the sort of preseason showings and his B team performances, he looks like a really quality player. But I think probably time for him to go out on a bit of a loan. I know he think he went on loan last season to a Costa Rican team. Did he stay where we got him from? Is it like um, oh, possibly it somewhere obscure that I wouldn't remember? We have a um, lot. Uh, I think Esteril in Portugal. Yes, yes. Um, I think yeah. I think he's got a lot of potential. So I think possibly getting him some minutes would be good. Um, I know we've got a lot of loans out there at the minute, so unsure of how many we can do given his age. Does that count? Who knows? I don't know the rules. I don't play enough football manager. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, getting him some minutes somewhere would be good. Or maybe at this point of his career, because he is still quite young, I believe. Maybe just hanging around the B team and training with the first team squad probably might be, you know, a good enough place. But obviously, wouldn't sell him. Would certainly keep him. And I think if he can get some minutes somewhere, it'd be worth doing. What popped into my head was getting him somewhere like um, uh, Mansfield. It's close by. The team's flying in the league. You know, so I'm, I'm, that may be too lower type thing for him, but I, you know, somewhere, somewhere he's going to get minutes. But like in a team that's thriving, if you know what I mean, I think that'd, that'd be quite yeah. good for him. Yeah, be interesting to see. But he looks a real talent. But yeah, I think we can just wrap up midfielders because. Obviously, I don't think we'd be uh, wanting to sell any of them nope. other than potentially Coyote. But yeah. yeah, I think it shows where we are at our strongest. Yep, absolutely. Moving on to forwards, I think this one or two here could cause a bit of debate, but I think largely it sort of writes itself. So, Jacob, do you want to read out the forward list? Yeah, we've got uh, uh, Anthony Alanga, Divok Origi, Tyro Awunyi, Callum Hudson-Odoi and Chris Wood. I think this, for me personally, this is a pretty short one. Again, the only one I'd probably twist on is Divock Origi, and that's only a probably. I think I, I personally haven't seen enough of him to say that I think he's rubbish or that he's not good enough. Um, I think he was unlucky in the Bournemouth game where he started, he played kind of right wing and he he looked pretty decent and then had to get hooked uh, to play for uh, Willie Wallace sending off. Um, but yeah, I think if you know, if anything, if if we had to free up some cash or whatever that for for a, a goalkeeper or something like that, I think Origi'd probably be the one that gets whoosh, out of there. Yeah, I think looking at this, I think we could do with a, a another forward or winger. Uh, obviously, Tyro's injury concerns. I guess Chris Woods. If you asked me a few weeks ago, I think Chris Wood would have been one to to let go. But again, he's worn me over in recent weeks. Um, so I think him playing how he is at the moment, I think possibly gives a bit bit of shelf life to our uh, attacking options when Tyro isn't there. Um, obviously, when Tyro comes back, first choice completely, but the worry being that you know we can't stay fit for a sustained amount of time, so maybe we need backup there and someone that's a bit more akin to him rather than Chris Ward because I think they have quite different styles. Yeah. Um, I'd personally get rid of Origi. I'd just like to say... 
you say he's not shown enough to really decide either way. And I think maybe that speaks for itself at this point. Um, There's a lot of money on the wage bill for someone not to really show either way at this point. So I think get rid of him. Um, I'd have loved for it to work out, but unfortunately it's just not meant to be. Um, But yeah, another winger for, for backup and maybe another forward I think could be quite a useful uh, thing to have. And I think looking at the squad, I think you could really identify a keeper, possibly a centre-back and a forward as our main priorities. And I don't, I hope we don't go too mental. Um, I hope we don't go too hard and give too many players because we know that that keeps happening. It, it's a real struggle to embed uh, a new group of players. So yeah, I think that's where we are at the minute. I think for, for me, I think a goalkeeper is a must. Um, I'd like a new winger. Uh, I think yesterday highlighted that, you know, I think as well as Nico Dominguez played, I think the fact we had to bring Nico Williams on to bring, to play right wing highlighted that we needed, we need a new winger, um, you know, because Alanga was injured. Um, or just play someone from the youth team. Um, <laughs> or, uh, and the last one for me would be a, I'd like a left back. Uh, that's I'm I'm throwing that out there. I'd like a a, a good left back. I think I, I think Aina is a good player, but I I have my doubt. You know, Toffolo, I think he's having a good season. Can I see him getting to the levels that we need a Premier League left back to be? Probably not. Aina has been pretty good, but it is also probably preferred to play right back. So I I think a a good left back would be nice nice to have rather than need. That'd be my choice. Before we wrap this up, Jacob, I've got a question to you. Go on. Uh, I don't know if these reports are true or not, if they've got any substantial weight to them, but uh tweet earlier saying that Tottenham, Tottenham, I was going to say Tottenham Forest then, ah, Tottenham, Hotspur, yeah. uh, have shown an interest in Gibbs White. What is your price? What was Johnson? 50. I think Johnson was just under 50, only like 45, 50. So if you take into account that Johnson cost us nothing because he came from the youth team and he cost, he's, he's cost him around, I think he's about 48 or something like that one, isn't it? So let's say 50. Yeah, let's round it up. If you, FFB and that. I, I, and I don't think I'm being dramatic. I think it's got to be 75 for Gibbs White. I think he's around the same price tag as Johnson, but when you couple in the fact that we paid 25 from the first place, I mean that's that that's added on. So I think anywhere be- anywhere between sixty and seventy five, I think is a kind of is the kind of fee where you go. Unfortunately, we have to accept that because that you know that that is just where we are, isn't it? Yeah. What did that Nunes go to uh, Man City for? That, How much was uh, that? That's about fifty ish. Really? Mm. So I I personally think seventy five plus completely. I think I'd maybe even push it to eighty five plus, which sounds crazy. But for a player of that importance that we're building the team around, that's going to be a future England player, has a lot of potential, clearly a very good player. You know, we can't let him go for cheap, that's for sure. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope we get to see him for many a year before he moves on. But uh, yeah, it, see see what happens in that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, th- I think it's a valid point you say about Matthias Nunes. Um... I, I'm surprised somebody, you know, you're paying £53 million for Mateus Nunes. I'm surprised City didn't, you know, I, th- I could definitely see Mum Gibbs White playing that kind of role for, for that kind of team. Um, I, I think he'd do really well at Tottenham 
which pains me to say it. Um, under uh, well, anyone who tries to play football like that under Ange Postecoglou can only see doing well, which you know is is painful to say and to to think about. But what good what good could you know seventy five million pounds do do us as a club going forwards? I, my my only my only personal worry is to then replace him as a, to replace him with another number ten. You know what we what are we going to have to pay versus what's the risk? You know what I mean? Yeah. Even signing uh, even signing him for twenty five million pounds was a risk, wasn't it? He'd only ever achieved in the championship. I think it's going to be an interesting one. There might be no way to it. It might be a clickbait thing. I just saw it earlier. I thought it prompted asking the question: What is your price for Gibbs White as of now? And I think the beauty of Gibbs White is it's only going to go up if he does end up playing for England at some point, which I think he will. He seems perfectly the type of player to do that. So, yeah. I, I can't fingers, see... Like I say, fingers crossed. I can't see him playing for England while Southgate's manager, but I, I, I don't think Southgate will be manager after next summer, will he? So. No, no. Um, oh, I know. I asked you earlier, didn't I? When was the last time Jordan Rhodes played against Forest before yesterday? Yesterday? So, yesterday. My PTSD-ridden brain immediately went for the Sheffield Wednesday game where he scored a first-half hat-trick. Mm. However, mm. oh, is that the answer? No. However, I remember that he, I think he came from Huddersfield, so maybe it was in the playoff final. Did he play you that? You are correct. Yes, he came on in the second half. Right. <laughs> I, I must have been very drunk because I cannot remember being that scared because oh, if you're in the playoff right. final and it's nervy, I asked Jordan Rhodes came in. Yeah. I asked you this what? the other day, didn't I? In the Did chat. You? Yeah, because you gave the same answer. I was too drunk. All <laughs> oh, right. Well, maybe I was too drunk writing that. Jesus. That's worrying. I can't remember that at all. Well, cool. Yeah. Well, obviously, I was drunk because I, I think I would have absolutely terrified me in, at Wembley if you see Jordan Rhodes coming on. Uh, after that, what, what he's done. That was the most in control game. I've never seen that. I, I, I think about it all the time how, in my opinion, we were never going to lose that game. Mm. There was no way, shape, yeah. or form we were going to lose that game. Oh, what a day. What, what a day. day. What a day. Anyway, take him home, Jacob. Take him home. So we're talking Blackpool replay, which has been confirmed for Tuesday the 16th. Joshua, is that correct? Not confirmed. The club have not put anything out, but BBC Sport on the, oh, okay. so BBC the website Sport. says it. So it might be subject to change with the uh, TV fixtures. But at the moment, it's penciled in for Tuesday. 16th, uh, quarter to eight. Um, I think we will win 2-1. JJ? I hope we learn from our mistakes and mm. go at them. And I think a 3-0 would be lovely to wrap it up and give us a bit oh. of confidence going into the Brentford game. Would you like a 3 0, would you mind, mate? I'd take a 3 0. I would. <laughs> you know what? I'll take a fourth. <laughs> I'll take a fourth. Uh, and that's followed by the Saturday late evening kickoff, which is against Brentford. I'm just checking what channel that's on. Uh, that is on Sky Sports Main Event, Sky Sports Premier League, Sky Sports Ultra HDR, uh, away at what's the silly little Lego stadium called? G Tech G Tech, Brentford Community, or something like that. Um, yeah. I say that I actually think it looks quite if you're going to have a stadium you might as well have a quirky one like that haven't you um, but yeah 1-1 uh, Nuno Magic keep the ball rolling yeah we're going to do a, a proper podcast preview in this probably giving you our 11 before the game and our thoughts on Brentford more in depth so look out for that 
Two words, Ivan Tony. Uh, scary. That's three words. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, Brentford have been in decline uh, recently. And I think this is a great chance to get at them, bring them into it, you know, bring them sort of more to us. So, yeah, I, I'm hoping we can capitalise on two brilliant performances and pick up a third win in a row in the Premier League. I'm going to go for 2-0. I'm very concerned about Mr. Tony. Uh, I, I would be if it wasn't for the fact he's only actually just been allowed to start training in, hasn't he? So, I think he's got a hat-trick in his warm-up game. Yeah, he's a very good, he's a very good player. He's a very yes, <laughs> but they've not got Embuemo. He's injured. Oh, is he? So oh, okay, yeah, that's he is, good. He is good. Cool. Well, if you're listening for the first time, thank you very much for joining us and finding us. Uh, and if you're listening, uh, if you've come back again and again and again and again and again and again and again, God knows we love you. You. Yes. Yes.